Coffee with Clarissa on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon, it is Clarissa Montero. You are in the studio with me and with Patrick Joyce, Senior Vice President, Golf Asia, Lagardia. Is La- that right? Lagardia. Lagardia Sports. Welcome on board. Thanks, Clarissa. Thanks for having me. Thank, well, actually, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. The business of golf is fascinating to me. I play golf as a, a really terrible social golfer. <laughs> and, but I've played a lot of these events. I've been guests at some of the bigger tournaments where the real golfers play, you know, on sponsor flights and stuff like that. And I've yeah. always wondered about the business of having an event like that. How much does it take? How many, how many people do you need on staff to get off a successful marquee event like that? Well, if you're talking about the uh, SMBC Singapore Open, which was just held, which uh, we were lucky enough to promote, it's uh, it's a pretty daunting task. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got literally, um, you know, anywhere from six to seven hundred people involved mm-hmm. in total. We have about four hundred volunteers alone, and then in terms of the event staff, the TV production crew, the tour officials, and so on, that's another two to three hundred uh, people all in. So it's a it's a big undertaking. It's a big undertaking that begins how much before the actual event. Well, Put it this way: We just finished two weeks ago, and we're already planning for next year. So and you're already uh, it's, planning for next it's year. a year-long process. It's a year-long process. Do you start looking for sponsors now for next year, or is that after you get everything up and planned and and everyone's in place, then you look for the spot? Which comes first? Sometimes you uh, you need to get the sponsors first in order to make the event happen. Mm-hmm. Other times, if you've got what you feel is a viable property, you can announce the event and plan all your uh, all your development for the event, and then go and look for the sponsors if you think it's going to be achievable in that sense. But it's usually better to have some sort of funding and backing sure. in place first. The the big money at least first. Definitely. So it, once you've got that sorted, you've got your your key sponsors. Is there actually a place for, say, an SME or smaller businesses to come in on the action, get in on the action as, as a smaller sponsor of, on the day? I, well, I, I can't even think of anything. What would a smaller company want to do? Because I've spoken to some people and they've actually expressed if we had, say, $20,000 and we wanted to sponsor an event like this in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. what would they get out of it? Well, absolutely. There are numerous levels of sponsorship where a company, irrespective of their size, Mm -hmm. can certainly get involved in a premium sporting event, be it golf or tennis. If you're looking at golf, yeah, absolutely. Um, They can get anything from uh, their own hospitality, for example. They could get a couple of pro-am teams where they can entertain their clients. Mm. We have what we call uh, uh, the corporate golf on the Monday after the event where they can also bring some clients. You're nodding your head because you've played in a few of Uh those, I'm sure. Um, And then, of course, if their objective is to get uh, some visibility and exposure, there is branding that they can purchase at these tournaments. So there's no hard and fast rules as to how much you have to pay to Mm -hmm. get involved in an event uh, uh, such as the... SMBC Singapore Open, if you've got some budget and you're interested, anything can be tailor-made or custom-made uh, in order to meet your objectives. Right. Okay. So when you do events like this, and, and you don't just do the events, you also represent some of the players. Mm. How do you do that? How do you go from, I'm running the events, or I'm creating the events, and then I'm now representing a talent? It's, it's kind of a different side of the business, isn't it? 
Yes and no. Um, both have uh, very clear commercial aspects to them. Uh, when you're doing an event, you're looking for sponsors to invest in the tournament. When you're representing players, you're looking for sponsors to invest in the athlete. Um, there is branding that's involved in both cases as well. And there are also services that a tournament has to provide to a sponsor. There are services that a player has to provide to, uh, to their sponsor as well. Um, yeah. During the tournament, it can be a little bit complicated when you're kind of looking after your tournament sponsors and then going and looking after the players' individual how sponsors. how well they're doing. Exactly, going them a, giving them a slap, you know, slap on, <laughs> slap on the head on the driving range, telling them to sort out their game uh, before they tee off. Mm -hmm. um, but it's fun, and, uh, you know, it makes it all that more enjoyable and, and uh, as a point of difference, I think. Which is harder, to get money for a talent or an, an entity like SMBC? I think it's more difficult to generate sponsors for players, um, especially in Asia, okay. because the concept of players, player endorsement mm -hmm. uh, is still a little bit uh, in its infancy, Right. even though it's, it's, you know, it's been almost 20 years that I've been doing it. Right. There's still a lot of companies in Asia that don't grasp the concept of what it would mean to have a brand ambassador right. and how they can effectively utilize um, that player. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's an ongoing process, but it is certainly getting better. How are Asian golfers doing? I mean, we've got Shan Shan, who's just become number one. Mm. But in general, other than someone like that, how are Asian golfers in general doing on the world stage? I think in the last few years, there's been uh, some really, really good results um, for Asian golfers, both men and ladies. Mm -hmm. um, you see quite a number of them in the top 100 of the world rankings on both sides. They're winning tournaments regularly. Right. We're seeing a lot of young players coming out and performing very well. Uh, the Koreans aside, the Korean ladies, uh, we don't they, need. Yeah, we, they, yeah. we don't really need to talk about them. They, they, They're just very every, good. Yeah, everybody knows about their capabilities yeah. and their results. But to see some of the young guys coming out of India performing well, the young Thai boys that are performing well, uh, even the young players out of China, like uh, Li Hao Tong, who's just won in uh, who just won in Dubai mm -hmm. oh, uh, a couple right. of couple of weeks ago. Um, terrific, terrific results. So I think this all fits in with. The, the way that golf is going in Asia. Mm -hmm. People have talked about a global slowdown in terms of participation. Uh, that has been the case to a degree in Asia, but not as dramatic as in Europe and the US. So the, the potential for continued development and achievement from Asian golfers, I think, is, is very much a reality. Well, I, I know that with my kids, when they were in primary school, there was a golf clinic, a golf ECA, mm -hmm. and they could sign up, and there would be golf lessons a couple of times a week, and, and they started that at, say, seven. But about the age of 12, some of those programs started getting pulled out of the schools. Mm. Um, not sure why. Um, I think my children actually regretted the loss of those lessons because they enjoyed the game. Yeah. But do we need to do more at that age group to get interest to continue to grow? And what can be done? Do you think? I fully agree. And that's one of the things that we're working very closely with the Singapore Golf Association, who mm -hmm. are obviously our partners when it comes to the SMBC Singapore Open, is to do as much as we can to continue to 
incite interest in the younger generation um, to take up golf. Singapore is in a difficult position because, as we know, it's been well documented that they're losing golf courses. So accessibility to facilities is tough. Mm -hmm. But getting kids in schools at the younger age, even to come and play these gimmicky things like foot golf and snag golf, um, that just gets them interested in the game. And if they enjoy it and if it's fun and it doesn't take up too much of their time, then there's a good chance that they will take the next step and go to the driving range or go to the putting green and chipping green and get a little bit more active and serious about the game. But yeah, it has to be a concerted effort and collective effort between, I think, promoters, clubs, associations, and and the ministries um, to continue to, to help get people interested. How important do you think it will be for golf in the future to have another Tiger Woods? Because he was so integral at, at the last boom in interest. Mm-hmm. How, how important do you think it is for us to find another one like him? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's as important to have one individual mm-hmm. like Tiger. What we're seeing now with the young guns coming out both in Europe and the U.S. and, and Asia um, is you're getting three or four players that are getting people excited the Ricky Fowlers, the Jordan Spieths, um, you know, the Justin Thomases, Rory. I mean, R- Rory's kind of an old guy now at, at 28. Which one is the one that dresses quirky? Is it Rory? Uh, no, uh, Ricky Fowler's the one who tends to wear purple, uh, sorry, uh, orange is his favorite color. <laughs> right. Um, but you've got these guys now, and they're getting the younger generations interested. And I think it's also a shift in the perception of how people view golf. It's a sport now. These guys are athletes. They're in the gym. They're running. They're working out. They look fit. They look ripped. Yeah, yeah. they look fit. So that's, I think, made a visual impact on, uh, on the younger generation as well. They look at these guys and go, okay, they're not beer-drinking, cigarette-smoking, um, tubby fellows like they were in the 70s. Except those guys still hit the ball a long way. The, they were, Daily immediately comes to mind. They were natural athletes. <laughs> <laughs> or something. <laughs> Do you play? Yeah, not as much as I would like. Um, yeah, not much at all. I used to play a lot more before I got into the golf business, uh, ironic as it sounds. If you're, if you're dealing with golf every day and you are representing pro golfers, how good is your game? It used to be pretty good. Thank I, you. I, I wouldn't venture a guess now. It's hit and miss. It's hit and miss? Yeah. That's like my every game. <laughs> that is absolutely my every I only got into the game about three years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, truly only got into it, I think, more than anything else on a day. Working in this golf-mad company, it's kind of hard to ignore the game. Did you hear that, Rian? I did hear that, (laughs) You work in a golf-mad environment. I'm just going to have to say this for the record. I have had one golf lesson. That's a start? Yeah. So, you know, baby steps. We'll go from there. Well, first, have the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can take me for a round. Let's see how Uh, No, 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 no. Crossing that (laughs) producer-presenter boundary. Okay. We'll have to compare everybody's hit-and-miss games at some point. Yeah. I suspect your hit-and-miss game is is much better than mine. Um, I I really play just because it's a social game. It's a great great way to get out of a windowless room like this and get out in the greens. But I, I really enjoy watching... The pros do it. They make it look effortless. Now, televising 
um, golf has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's made it easier for a lot of people to get into the game because now they can watch it on TV. It makes a little bit more sense than it used to be. It used to be one single camera and a lot of golfers and, you, and you're just kind of watching. You're on hole three. You're on hole five. You're on, you know, in mm -hmm. a bunker on I don't know what hole. Yeah. But now it seems like TV coverage of golf seems to be better mm -hmm. overall in quality. Do you think that will do good things for the game for the younger generation? That is, uh, I suppose, uh, a result of the constant development when it comes to broadcast, be it linear or non-linear and digital and, and over-the-top delivery that is available to everybody now. So whether it's football, which mm -hmm. is obviously the most watched sport in the world, or Formula One or golf or tennis, the ability to have 25 different angles to watch something, the ability to have all these statistics available to you at any given time and all the graphics, it's that additional content that is what's making it uh, more appealing. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing across all televised sport. Well, I hope that golf continues to grow. I, I started caddying for my dad when I was 12. Well um, done. <laughs> I was a great caddy. I was a terrible golfer. <laughs> so I never picked the sport up. But I... You know, back then, to me, you're right. It was about guys drinking beer and having a good time getting away from their wives for a few hours. <laughs> but now they really are. They're healthy. They're ripped. Yep. They, they're good looking. As ambassadors of the sport, they look like athletes. And, and that means a lot to the younger generation. Trying to convince my kids to take golf up when they were younger um, took some doing. Mm -hmm. I almost, it almost had to be a, I want you to learn how to play golf because it's good for your future. So shut up and do it. Yep. And then once they got into the game and, and they had friends who were taking lessons as well, then they realized the social side of it and, and the health side of it. And mm -hmm. they, they started walking nine holes, carrying their bags. And you have to be fit to do that. Absolutely. Um, and people don't realize that. They think it's, ah, it's a whole bunch of old businessmen, you know, getting out and making deals on the golf course and <laughs> pretending to be athletic. So I hope that golf continues to grow because I, I find it very cathartic to play. Likewise. Whether or not I play well, I, I have a few laughs. I, it's, it's me against that stupid ball. <laughs> <laughs> and really, sometimes that stupid ball takes the brunt of my frustrations, but especially when it goes into the water. Yeah. But that's a whole different conversation. So what can we look forward to from your company in the next year, other than SNBC? We, um, we also promote the uh, Australian Open mm -hmm. in Sydney, which is another one of our flagship events, and that's coming up in November. Right. Um, so that's certainly an event to look forward to. Obviously, the SMBC Singapore Open uh, next year. Uh, we also work on an event in Indonesia, the Indonesian Masters, and we've always got, uh, we've always got a few other events that we're looking to, uh, to help develop uh, in certain other territories uh, around the region. So it should be an exciting year. Uh, I'm hopeful. And uh, I'm also hopeful that the, the players that we represent uh, get some good results as well. Are they all young? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> no. Are they all ripped? Uh, no, I can't <laughs> say that either. <laughs> okay, that's over two. Let's see, what can I ask next? They're not young. No, they're not all young. They're all nice guys. They're all mm. nice guys. There you okay, go. <laughs> that's a good start. 
What do you think their chances are? Any one of them stands out as a, a potential champion? This well, the, year? One, the one guy that I've always had uh, high hopes for is our young Singaporean, uh, Chu Si Huang, um, who's a local boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, is, how old is he? Well, he's uh, he's just turned thirty. Okay, um, but he's only been a pro for you know three years, four years. Um, he's uh, his game is really starting to come around, and I think he's one of the one of the Singaporeans to watch. Uh, in the coming years. Um, there's a couple of other guys as well whose games are really starting to develop. So it'd be nice to see the next generation of Singapore professional golfers perform well now that uh, you know Lam Chi Bing is retired and, right. and Madan is looking towards the senior tour. Uh, we, need, uh, we need a few other guys to, to take up the mantle. We have one more question before we let you go. This one, I think, is a little closer to both Rian and my hearts than uh, some of the other ones that were given to us by our head of content. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you, from a business perspective, how do you think the female uh, tournaments rate against the male tournaments? Interesting question. I wouldn't really see much difference mm-hmm. uh, if you're comparing them uh, apples to apples. If you're comparing a Singapore Open, SMBC Singapore Open level tournament with uh, uh, an equivalent event in, in Malaysia mm-hmm. or, or Singapore, um, the delivery of the event is really what's key. It's the spectator experience. It's, uh, it's how you enjoy the event, who's playing the event, who are you coming to watch, and whether the events deliver on the sponsor's objectives. There's certain reasons why brands will sponsor women's golf versus mm-hmm. men's golf. Sure. It has to do with the demographic that they're targeting. That they're, that they're targeting right. um, and the, the fans that they're expecting to, to come to the event. So I, I don't see any appreciable difference between, uh, between the men's and ladies' events. If you're talking about the major global events mm-hmm. between the, let's say, the biggest event on the LPGA Tour versus the biggest event on the PGA Tour... There's a huge gulf in the prize money, obviously. Yes. Um, and a lot of that purely boils down to the TV rights revenue that the men's game is getting uh, versus the women's game. So that currently is the biggest gap, I would say. Okay. Well, I hope that the women start to earn more money than they do now. They, they don't earn too little, but they could always earn more. <laughs> yes. Yes, they could. They could try Bar, and go so the route of tennis. The women could earn more <laughs> <laughs> across the board in every industry. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and talking to us, Patrick. My pleasure. We hope you come back and talk to us again about SNBC before it happens next year, and maybe even invite us to play. Rian might even yes. be able to play by them. Yeah, let's having see, a few let, more lessons. Let's see how the lessons go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you.